Good morning. Glad to have you with me once again. Uh, today is Father's Day, so a happy Father's Day to all of the fathers who are out there. Uh, I got a gift for my one of my daughters earlier this week for Father's Day, and right now I'm using it. Uh, or will be by the time I get done with this video. Anyway, I hope all the fathers out there are having a great, great day. Uh, and you're being honored by your children in the way that you should be. Um, <clears throat> you know, as a father myself and as a preacher for many, many years, uh, one of the things it's easy to talk about is the gospel. And sometimes it's a little harder to talk about relationships. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul tells us a lot about family relationships. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. It's easy to quote that, easy to use that scripture and come to it when we deal with parent and, family and children relationships. He goes on to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, sometimes that is easier said than done, right? Um, we know that we can bring about a relationship that is not based on the instruction of the Lord and the discipline of the Lord. That's because sometimes we do provoke our children um, because we get anger. We get angered. We get frustrated when things aren't going the way that they need to. And sometimes our children take the brunt of that. I'm reminded by a cute story by a counselor named Jim Fay. Uh, he was talking about something that happened in his life with one of his sons. His wife told him about what went on. And so he has just drawn a bath. And he's got the tub full of hot water, and his, he tells his son to come into the bathroom with him, and he proceeds to scold him and discipline him. And he tells him some things. And his son is sitting there listening, taking it all in, and Jim, the father, leaves. He says, I want you to think about this for a minute. Well, he did. He comes back in, and he says, have you thought about it? Yes, Dad, I have. As, but it was years later that his son, as I jokingly say, probably after the statute of limitations had passed, meaning that his son turned 18, he says, Dad, do you remember what happened on this occasion and how you scolded me? Yes, I do, son. Uh, he says, do you want to know what I did? He said, well, yeah, I peed in your bathwater. Uh, that's probably not what Jim wanted to hear, probably not what he thought about, but you know, when you're harsh with your children, even when it's done properly, sometimes they get angry. They get frustrated because maybe they got caught, they got disciplined, and they don't like it. But when we do it too much, when we respond in anger and we provoke our children, that's not good. Now, we know in the book of Proverbs that Solomon was writing words of wisdom to his son. And in the first seven verses, Solomon writes, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction and wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and mercy, and equity, 
to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase his learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's in the book of Proverbs, specifically in chapter 22, that I'd like to share with you today that helps us on Father's Day, because we all have, as fathers and grandfathers, great-grandfathers, we have a responsibility to that generation of young people to do our best to influence them properly. And one of the first things I see in Proverbs 22 is in verse 1. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver or gold. That might take some doing for our children to learn that. But over the years, I think we, as we have matured, we know the value of a good name. There's a, a lot going on in our country today, a lot of turmoil, and a lot of it stems from people not wanting to take responsibility for their actions. And I have to wonder if there wasn't something going on, something missing in their life. Maybe a father who was absent, maybe physically absent from the home. He wasn't there any longer. Uh, maybe he was just absent because he was at work all the time and he couldn't spend that quality time with his children. And so the children don't learn the values that they need to have imparted to them. And one of those is the value of a good name. You know, people do sometimes some bad things and those bad things shouldn't define them. And even bad people who are, do mostly bad things may on occasion do something good and compassionate. But we have names in history that we equate with evil, that we equate with terrible things. Uh, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, those names come to mind. Mao Zedong, a uh, communist dictator in China. Those men are responsible for killing literally millions of people as they took their power and they crushed their opposition, anybody that would stand against them. Adolf Hitler brought us into World War II, started that war and killed millions and millions of people and is responsible by the starting of the war, responsible for millions of people in addition to the ones that he enslaved and killed. But good people, good fathers, are going to be there to teach their children the value of a good name. And what's a good name? It means that when somebody says your name in the midst of other people, good things are said about you. And that's what we want to teach our children. That when people say good things about you, when they know that you are blameless, and one of the passages that comes to my mind is in 1 Timothy chapter 3. First uh, Timothy chapter 3, it says, overseers and deacons in my Bible. And Paul is giving, as I've come to say, characteristics of a man of God who would serve God's church. And it says it is a trustworthy statement. If any man desires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work that he desires to do. He's going to be shepherding a church of God's people. An overseer then must be above reproach, 
able to be able, uh, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free of the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. Uh, if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? He's not a new convert so that he will not be conceited and fall into condemnation and incurred by the devil. He must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So he must be blameless. He must be one who is has a good reputation, not only within the church, but on the in the community at large as well. So they know that this is a man who has everything together. He treats people with kindness and compassion. He treats them with respect and dignity that they deserve. That's a, having a good name. He's someone you can count on. And so when somebody says your name, did those types of thoughts come to mind? That they're a top-notch person? Uh, that they will do exceedingly beyond what you ask them to do? That's what we want to give to our children, the value of a good name. Well, there's something else in Proverbs as well as we look at it, as we go further down into the text. And that is, he says in chapter 22, um, it was there a moment ago, so, and I'm right now, apologize, I'm not finding it, but it is how to live your life. He says, do not, verse 24, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare to yourself. This deals with the friends that our children will have. What are their friends like? Are they given to anger? Are they hot-tempered? Uh, we want our children to be with people that respect others. A person that is angry all the time, are they really accomplishing anything? Uh, what are they accomplishing? They're down on everybody. They're angry at everybody. Uh, I don't want my children to fall into that trap. I want them to have a balanced view. There's nothing wrong with anger. We know that Jesus was angry when he cleansed the temple on two occasions. Honestly, he probably could have done it more than those two occasions. Uh, in the very beginning of his ministry in John's gospel in chapter two, he cleansed the temple saying that the people had made his father's house a house of robbers and thieves. Uh, I'm thinking of other things as well. Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You see, anger is okay when it's channeled at the right place. Righteous indignation is fine, and we should be angry with the anger of God at the oppression of man, and the men and women and children, the abuse of children. We should be angry at some of those things, and that should motivate us to do something about it. But you know, anger sometimes is personal, and it's directed because, you know, maybe somebody took advantage of me. 
And maybe it's because somebody got a promotion that I wanted and I become angry. And really my anger is out of jealousy and not out of feeling that maybe this person did deserve it more than me. Uh, I've been in that situation in times past. It doesn't feel good. But how do you channel that anger? Do you use it to better yourself? Or do you use it to, to belittle the other individual? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Anger here in Proverbs, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. He's talking about somebody whose life is out of control. And he gets angry at the littlest of things. He really doesn't want to do anything to fix them. He just wants to be angry. And I think that's what we're seeing now in a lot of the protests that are going on. They're not just protesting any longer in some of these situations. Peaceful protests are fine. First Amendment allows for it in our country. And I think we should do it. But burning and robbing and looting and terrorizing people, that's out of an evil heart. That's out of anger that just festered up within somebody. And that's the only way they know how to respond. They need to just take a breath and see, are they really accomplishing what they want to accomplish? And if you associate with someone who is a hot-tempered, angry person, you're going to learn his ways. And that will become a snare. It'll be a trap. And it will catch up with you. So we need to teach our children about who to associate with so they don't associate with people who are angry. And how can we do that? Well, verse 28 tells us, do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Sometimes we just have to teach our children, and maybe it's all times, that there's some boundaries in life. There's some things that you don't do. You treat people with respect. And when you treat people with respect, they'll treat you with respect. Solomon said a soft answer turns away wrath. We don't have to respond with hateful speech or with challenging speech. We can just softly listen. And sometimes if you're involved in a conversation that gets heated, just tone the answers down a little bit. Because what that does, it cools the temperature of the discussion. The person has to quit shouting so they can listen and hear what you're saying. There's maybe a time for raising one's voice. And there's also a time when you're in a situation where there's a lot of anger. Cool yourself down first. Respond with that soft answer. Let the wrath subside so that both sides now can start to talk and hear and not just hear but listen. So we want to teach our children that there are boundaries in life. There are things that they don't cross, and that's how they treat people with respect. You know, it's really easy to teach our children on some of those things, because we have boundaries and limits all over the place. You're driving down the highway, and you see a sign that says, speed limit, 70 miles an hour, 75 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour. That's a limit. That's a boundary that you're not supposed to to cross. Now, if you want to avoid a ticket, a speeding ticket, just raise your right foot and you'll avoid it, okay? The last one that I'll share with you today is that we need to teach our children the value of work. 
Solomon said, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Work. We talk a lot about the Protestant worth ethic in the United States. But we need to teach the value of work. It's a means of contributing to society. And when we teach our children the value of work, being skilled in their labor, and that's going to start at a young age. You know, they interact with people. They learn to become trustworthy. They learn to do a good job. And people learn that they're doing a good job. And they want those people involved with them. And Solomon says, he'll stand before kings. You want to be well-known? You want to stand before those who respect you? Do a good job. Do your work well. Go the extra mile to give your all when you do that work. Those are the things that we want to teach our children. And as a grandfather now, those are the things I want to also instill in my grandchildren. And Lord willing, my great-grandchildren. As fathers, we all have a responsibility. Now, I'm also mindful of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter, in Mark chapter 10, excuse me, in Mark chapter 10, when he talked about the rich young ruler. And Peter said that, well, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus simply said to Peter that, I tell you, Mark chapter 10 and verse in verse um, 29, there is no one who has left house or mother or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Well, let's not think about the persecutions and the eternal life right now. But let's think about the relationships that one will have in Christ. You're going to have a lot of brothers and sisters, and you'll have a lot of children in the Lord as well. They won't be your biological children. They won't be adopted children. But as a man in God's church, as a man in Christ, you'll have a position of influence. And I know Christian men that some do not have children for whatever reason, but they are well-respected and they love children of others and they do a lot with them and for them and they're a blessing to them. That's what we want to instill in our children to look for those things. So as I close just with a refresher, a reminder of my points, a good name is to be more desired than great wealth, favor better than silver or gold, let us teach our children the value of a great name. Let's teach them not to be given to anger, to not associate those who are with anger or hot-tempered so that they don't learn those ways and find a snare. Tell them about not moving the ancient boundaries, that there are boundaries in life, and they have to adhere to those boundaries. Teach them the value of hard work, of being skilled in their work so that they may stand before kings, that they'll stand head and shoulders above their peers because people will know them, that when you call on them, they're going to do a good job for you. Their work is going to be top notch. Well, I thank you once again for being with me today. 
I just uh, am so glad that you're here. And I just pray that your day will go well. To all the fathers out there who are listening and will listen, I just thank you for being a father. Uh, we all make mistakes. I know I made my share of mistakes. But I hope this lesson has been one to encourage you to get back up there and strive to do better, to be an influence to those young boys and girls, and even those older boys and girls, to instill within them the ideals that God has for them. So I just want to say thank you once again for being here.